This is Transistor.fm. Product People is sponsored by Sprintly. If you have a team of three or more people and you're doing software development, nothing takes care of the process like Sprintly can. I want you and your team to try it out for free. Go to www.sprint.ly. Once you decide to sign up, use my product code. Product People TV 2013 will get you 10% off. That's, that's an MVP. That's doing as little as possible to work out if someone will actually pay you for this product. This week, part two with Dan Norse, the founder of WP Curve. He talks about how WP Curve, in one month, doubled the amount of recurring revenue he was doing with his products. You're going to want to hear all the lessons he learned along the way, how he chose a co-founder, and what he thinks about minimum viable product. All right, so let's go right in now to your second business, which is WP Curve. Can you explain to us what WP Curve is? Yeah, so WP Curve basically gives you access to 24-7 live WordPress developer for support and unlimited fixes um, for $69 a month, or starting at $69 a month. And we have another plan for like ongoing maintenance where we proactively patch and upgrade stuff as well as the um, live support for, I think, $99 a month. Um, and it, I mean, it, it basically came out of, of me just knowing this industry pretty well and knowing that, like, you see these marketplaces popping up all the time and it's like, do, do people really want another marketplace? I mean, like, when I want a problem solved, I just want to go to someone that I trust and I want to know that they're always available. I want to know that I can do whatever I want on my site and I can actually use WordPress you know, as a CMS, the way I should be able to use it without fear of it breaking and without fear of getting hacked um, and just have someone there if something goes wrong. And there really wasn't anything like that out there. And so I basically thought of the idea on the weekend and I was racking my brain because I was sort of facing the idea of getting a job or doing something drastic um, because I, I was just clearly running out of time. And, I, I, and, and this time I'm like, okay, this idea sounds pretty good. I'm going to post it in a few forums, which is what I did last time, which I did, and everyone told me it was shit. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, well, fuck that. I don't care because last time everyone told me it was good and it turned out to be shit, so this time I'm just going to do it. So by Tuesday, I'd launched it, and within a week, I'd had 10 customers. Um, three weeks later, I've got, I'm, I'm making more money on it than I am with Informally, and it's growing like crazy. Wow. So... Uh, like you said in part one, um, you, you basically gave yourself a year to build this other product called Informally. You're running out of time. You're at the end of the year. You're thinking, I, I have got to make something work. I either go back and get a job or I'm going to make some sort of product or service work. You came up with this idea on the weekend. Uh, you posted in forums and asked people if it was a good idea. They said it wasn't a good idea. You did it anyway. And how quick between the time you launched it and the first paying customer? Uh, well, the, the same day. I mean, I did a 
I, I thought of it on Saturday. I, I came home and just bought a theme, put the site up, and on I think on like Wednesday I, I wrote a blog post, which actually did pretty well. Um, it, I think it was called Five Things You Can Do Right Now Instead of Creating More Content," and it was kind of just talking about you know how everyone's focused on doing more content, but you need to really actually promote your content or improve it, which is actually going to help people see it rather than creating more of it. And so, and that post did quite well. That's the sort of post I would normally put on informally, but I put it up on this site and just tweeted it to see, like I didn't actually launch the product yet, but I had a buy now button up on the homepage. And then a day later I sent it out to my list. So, so one thing I have built over the last year is a list of about 5,000 people, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sent it out to my list and I had signups straight away. I love this. This is so interesting. You know, one one thought I had about your list, because I think I've been on your list for, I don't know, probably six months or something like that. And you send these regular updates just talking and you've, you've been really transparent about, you know, with informally your, your other product, you know, just how signups were going and you would explain, you know, when you were frustrated, just really kind of honest, no bullshit, just this is what's going on with, you know, my experiment here trying to build this thing. And I think a lot of us were rooting for you. Like we, 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 we kind of built this relationship with you over the time of you just emailing, you know, your list. And uh, then all of a sudden you've got kind of the right service for people on that list, I could see some people saying, yeah, I, I know Dan, I respect Dan, I like Dan, I'm going to I'm gonna do this because, uh, you know, I just kind of like like him as a person. Yeah, I think so. And and that's the thing with content marketing. Like I had, had a guy sign up for Informally yesterday and I went back and looked through his history because I use Infusionsoft now. Um, and I went back and looked through his history of what he'd done on my site. And I'd never heard of this guy before. I'd never had a like a reply from him or I haven't seen him comment on any of my posts. But you look back over what he's done on my emails and on my posts, like he's signed up to all of my free email courses. He's downloaded my eBooks. He's read all of my emails and clicked on all my links over a long period of time. And that that's what content marketing is. It works, but it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know how valuable it is. Like I, I've also found a co-founder um, this week who... This who, week again? Has, yeah, you found a yeah, co-founder this week. <laughs> okay, yep. take me through what 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 was? How did this happen? Well, again, same. He's been on my list for a long time. He actually commented on that um, post that is startup validation bullshit post, and he uh, he was he's just really proactive. He he basically just said, okay, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna call you and talk to you about this. And he happened to be over in America. And he's just moved there. He's an Aussie. He's still waiting for his stuff to come through. So he's he's basically like, I, I want to do some free work for you. And we basically just agreed that we're just going to go in for this together. We're going to do it for a couple of months. And he's going to do all the sales type stuff. And I'm going to basically do everything that I've currently been doing. And if we can hit certain goals, then we're going to basically, yeah, it's going to basically be a, be a partnership. So... <laughs> so and and why why did you were you even interested like some random guy comments on your stuff why why well, he's, he's very good looking he's very good looking <laughs> and i so one of the things i was thinking was i i just wasn't good looking enough so i went to i went to facebook and i started looking for people that look like the guy from twilight <laughs> and 
and this guy came up, which was weird. <laughs> this guy fit the bill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a well balanced partnership. I mean, I do I do the content marketing, the you know finance, strategy, planning, web stuff, um, you know sales, pretty much everything. And he just he just sends people memes. <laughs> but but why even bother? Like you've been doing it by yourself forever. Who cares? Like why why do you even need someone a partner? Well, I I think like in my last business I kind of came to the conclusion that A, I designed my business so it couldn't scale and I wanted a business that could scale because I just get bored of shit. If I had to do the same thing for another year, I would I would go crazy. So I need something that's improving and growing and that I can be excited about. So this time I wanted to build something that scaled. The, the other thing I realized is that I'm, I don't really want to do sales and I just don't really get energy from going out and doing that sales stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, in I've sort of tried to build my businesses around the content so that I don't need to do the sales side but you do need to do sales and you can't really get around that so it's either I find a way to do that myself which I tried or I get the guy from Twilight in who can who can smooth people and get all the chicks on board I call him I call him my minimum viable co-founder yeah yeah well and and how are you how are you gonna like is that like does he have to make sales in order to make the partnership like is that part of the deal yeah, I'm pushing him hard, man. He, I like send him text messages at 11:30 at night when he's asleep, and I'm like, dude, you haven't hit your target. You got to make more sales. <laughs> and and is that how you structured the deal? Like you said, listen, you can be my partner, but you, you know, you're gonna have to kind of reach these benchmarks. More or less, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, he's pretty funny, but we're pretty. He calls himself the Claff. His name's Alex McClafferty, so if anyone's listening, go and follow him on Twitter and expect to be trolled. But yeah, he calls himself the Claff, which kind of sounds like an STD, but he's, he's, just, he's just a serial pest. So he's, he's kind of just out there stalking people anyway, so he's just got to do more of that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, you know, would, do you think you would recommend that to, to other people that are – because there's a lot of people that do not like sales, uh, that are trying to build their own products. Um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll know in a little bit, but do you think this is, this could be an avenue for those kinds of people? It's interesting. I've had I've chatted to two people this week about the same thing, and I, being a solo founder is hard. It's I mean, whether it's sales or whether it's something else, or if it's just like the mind share of your business, like not having somewhere to, someone to bounce ideas off. Like every entrepreneur has that problem, if they're especially they're a solo founder. And mm -hmm. I actually, I was, I was talking to another guy last week about this who wants to build something to like actually help entrepreneurs deal with that exact issue of basically just having no one to talk to about their business that really understands business. Yeah. Um, and that's that's probably almost as big a thing for founders as as the skill thing. Like most skills, you can probably work out how to get in if if you can work out how to make a profit. And and you know most things you can do early on. Like if I wanted to do sales right now. I probably could bust my ass and try to do like a couple of months of sales and get profitable. You know that that model is there and it and it's it's possible to do it that way. But it, but being a solo founder is hard. And I think I, I've always thought about a partner and I've always I have made attempts before to do it, but I've never really found someone who I thought was suitable. Mm -hmm. And once I caught the claff, I, I couldn't get rid of it. So. <laughs> it just, it just well, you know, I've, the funny thing is I've heard a similar story 
I mean, I've never heard anyone describe their co-founder as an STD, but I, I've, I've heard <laughs> a similar story from other uh, founders. They say, you know, there's a guy that came to me and he was just really excited about, you know, making sales. And that's basically how he earned his place in the, the partnership. Uh, is that well, he... this, is the, this is the thing. This is the thing. Is is you, you, I put content out there all the time, and you know everyone reads it, and you know people like the the more proactive of people comment on it, but no one has ever like picked up the phone and said, you know, I can actually help you sell this thing, and if I do that, you should give me money. You know, like like he goes hard, and. Yeah. I think you have to. Yeah, I think you have to. And you, you're not going to, especially if you, you're going to be that, you're going to play that role in a business where you you have to go out and get people to pay for shit. Then you can't be the sort of person who's sitting back and kind of commenting and fluffing around, you know. So I think yeah. that kind of direct action works really well. Yeah. So now let's say you're giving advice to someone else. And I mean, you're still early on, but you've, you've had, you do have experience in the sense that you you were kind of aggressively pursuing this for a year. You built this product, you built a mailing list, you did all the content marketing, you did all that stuff. And so you've had that experience. And now in the last couple of weeks, you've got this new experience. So based on all of that, if someone came to you and said, you know, I'm thinking about this product, I, I want to try to validate it before I build it. What would you say to them? Well, it depends what the product is. If it's a software product, then, um, well, let's say it's not a software product. Actually, I'll go back. Regardless of what sort of product it is, go out and work out how to solve it for someone and get them to pay you for it. So I probably could have done this with Informly. I could have gone out and said, look, you've got a whole bunch of complicated analytics. I'll come to your business one day a week and I'll pull it all together and I'll give you a report and you can pay me 50 bucks or 500 bucks or something. Um, and that's that's 100x better than asking someone if the idea is good. So I, I think I think like incubators and co-working spaces have to have a rule where you can't get in there unless you've got a customer. And they say, okay, I want to work there. Well, cool, have you got a customer? No, all right, we'll go get a customer, come back, and then you can work here. Hmm. Because, I mean, there's just so much time wasted. And I, I see this all the time with other businesses kind of chatting about decisions they should make and, you know, like thinking about you know the way they should design their pages or whatever and it's like just just fucking do it make the change and look at how people use it and then make it make a decision there's millions of people have done this already you don't have to be, to be debating where to put stuff on the page like this stuff is all dealt with someone's already solved that problem so just do the best practice and implement it stop talking about it and then decide based on what people's actions are yeah hey, and this hey, let's swear on your show sorry are you allowed to swear on your show? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's too late for that now, Dan. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I just realized. Sorry. I just lost my whole audience of five-year-olds and ten-year-olds, and now you're talking about STDs. What am I going to yeah, do? So, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, well, this, this reminds me of um, Derek Sivers has this great video called uh, Start Now, No Funding Needed. And he kind of describes that exact process you just described, which is, you know, if you have an idea for something, go to one person and see if you can convince them to pay you for it. And if they pay you for it, and you can get another person to pay you for it, and another person, keep doing that until it's so painful that you need to write software 
to, uh, you know, kind of automate those manual things that you're doing. Yeah, which, which funnily enough, is more or less what I did with informally. You know, I with the agency version of it, that's exactly what I did. I started doing everything manually. Eventually, it became too much of a pain, and then I built the software. And that, if I had have just kind of scrapped the, the last year and just went back to that, which which really was a validated idea because I was paying for it. It was solving a problem. Um, and if I just focused on that, then I probably would have been better off than if I went out and tried to create like the world's most exciting startup. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you feel kind of like with informally now you're at the place you should have been, uh, you know, maybe when you launched. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think about this a lot and I, I think it is challenging because especially as people that like to build things, we want to get in and actually start building things and solving technical, uh, overcoming technical challenges and all of that. But there's something about putting a price on something and seeing who pays for it. And it, it's almost like the, if you can close that gap, you know, the, the sooner you can close that gap to seeing if someone will pay you, uh, the better off you are. Yeah. And it, it takes a long time as well. Like I, I think you get a bit caught up in all of the whole startup buzz stuff and think, you know, I'm going to grow at 30% a month paid revenue from day one. And by the end of a year, I'll be rich kind of thing. But I mean, I don't, I don't really know anyone who's running a software business who started it, you know, within the last couple of years, who is making a good amount of money, you know, other than the, the like the success stories you see on Mixergy and stuff, which to me are one-offs. Like I know a lot of people running software companies and it takes a long time to build a SaaS business. And I think, I think I probably didn't realize that at first. And I think other people probably don't realize that either, either is that it, it takes a long time to build up that momentum, to get known, to get the product even good enough, like to actually work out what people want and make it polished and get all the sequences and everything working well and the pricing well. It just takes a long time to get that stuff right. Mm-hmm. And what about this idea that you can kind of put up an MVP? Um, I think the, the hard part is, is understanding what is actually viable for a customer because it sounds like part of your experience was saying, you know, you put out these MVPs, but but people weren't, you know, with informally, but it, it wasn't enough to, to have people pay. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think a lot of the lean startup stuff is really misunderstood. Like, I think the terminology has become the focus and all the acronyms and people use all of those words. But I think they're like 90 percent of the time they're misused. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like a, a MVP is basically like what I did with WP Curve was an MVP. Like it was, I was offering 24/7 live support, and I didn't have anyone. It was just me. I had my mobile phone, and I had it next to me in bed at night time. And if the live chat went off, it was buzzing like crazy loud in my ear, yeah. so I could respond. That's that's an MVP. That's doing as little as possible to work out if someone will actually pay you for this product. Um, but you know, like yesterday, I was sent an email from an investor who has a who was working on a product. Um, and he built like an MVP version of it and he wanted my feedback. And I'm like, well, I mean, it looks all right, but, but what am I going to say? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would pay for it. It looks okay. It really needs to be more polished. I'm used to using Gmail and, um, you know, zero and all of this software, amazing software like that. And I would expect if I'm going to pay for something, it would be as polished as that. Um, so, I mean, I can give you feedback on how it looks, but I don't really know if that's going to help your business. It doesn't, doesn't help you know whether or not you need to go to the next stage. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, like, is there ways you can, with software specifically, 
like, do you think there are other things people can try to, to close that gap, to try to see if someone will pay you right away? I think if you're a good salesperson, you can pre-sale. And, and that's kind of the answer that people give you. But that answer is often given to you by people who are natural salespeople. And I'm not a natural salesperson. And I, I need to get better at this. But I, I would feel bad going to someone and asking them to pay me for a year for something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one answer. You know, If you are a good salesperson, you do have an idea that you think will take off, then that could be one way to do it. But you know, a, a lot of the people who do this as well are people with big lists. And the list is a massive leg up. Like if I didn't have my list after that year, then I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have any customers. I mean, how would I have gotten these customers? Mm-hmm. You know? So, so people tend to take advice from these like big name internet marketers. You know, I, oh, I created this business from scratch, but they've been building this list for 10 years and it, it's, you can't put a value on that. So it's, if you're literally starting something from scratch and no one knows about you, then maybe the way I did it isn't so bad in that at least people know about me now. And when I do something, people find out about it, which is, which is half of the battle as well. Yeah. Do you think that's part of the idea? Like if you're someone interested in building products, you need to just start creating content and writing about things that people care about. Like, is that part of the process? I don't think so. I think I choose content because that's what I'm good at and that's what I know how to do. That's that's how I do my marketing. Um, but, you know, if, if sales was the way I, if face-to-face sales or like running workshops or something was the way that I did my marketing, I can't see that that would be any less effective. I mean, yeah. getting, getting out and talking to people is probably going to be as effective, if not more, than creating a whole bunch of content. But that's just the way I do things. Yeah, but it seems like one thing you're saying is that building the list was... Um, important. So if someone is starting from ground zero, like they're, they're like you, they've got their own web consultancy business. They just, they don't like it anymore. They really have a desire to build a product. They don't know what it is yet. Do you think they should just start doing, you know, whatever it takes, workshops, content, sales, what, whatever it is, but start building up a mailing list? Like, is that the... The key in I think, this? I think authority authority is a hugely valuable asset. It's not the only way to sell something, but building authority is very, very valuable. And people, in one way or another, are going to need to know about your product. And, I mean, I think the best advice I could give is do whatever it is that you do best that will get the most people knowing about your product. And, I mean, I could go and do sales, but I'm shit at it. And I would get more people knowing about my product if I go and create a bunch of content. So that's what I did. Um, yeah. You know, I know people doing videos who are really good at videos, so that's what they do. I know people who do podcasts because they're really good at podcasts because that's what they do. Um, I think you do what the best thing you can do to get the most amount of people, the most amount of relevant people aware of what you're working on. And I think content can be a powerful way to do it because it's just a, na- a natural trust builder and, mm-hmm. you know, a natural kind of relationship builder without you even knowing. Uh, but it's also very slow and it takes a long time to build up that that kind of goodwill. So, um you need to be prepared to think about it as a long-term thing. Yeah. I'm just kind of going back to something you just said about how you don't know very many people who have built software in the last couple of years that are making a significant amount of money on software. Um, yeah. Do you think like, and a lot of the people that we think of that have been successful, you know, a lot of them have been doing this for a long time. Do you think that's the thing that, most folks just don't realize is that 
a lot of these successful products actually like it takes it can take years and years and years to to actually get that right absolutely yeah i mean if you look at some of the like the email marketing ones um aweb has been around for 15 years infusionsoft's been around for 12 years i mean these are these are companies that started with a tiny idea like you you hear the aweb story and it's like i just built some tiny little thing in my garage and it was just year after year of growth and eventually you know it just it comes good and it, it, it's also timing as well. I mean, if you start Aweber today, then you're screwed. You got no chance. Yeah. But you start Aweber 15 years ago, it's a totally different story. So there's so many factors in success. I think people people want to quantify it, but there's just so many factors. There's luck. There's always luck. There's timing. There's you know there's there's so many things, and I don't think it really can be quantified. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the last little bit we have here. I, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is um, desperation and how uh, sometimes desperation can be a good thing and sometimes it can be a really counterproductive thing. So like if, you've, if you're um, trying to build a product and you're just desperate for it to work, sometimes that seems like it, it's counterproductive, like you, you, you end up not getting anywhere. Um, can you talk to any of that about you know, how maybe desperation helped you or, or didn't help you? Yeah, I think it did both, to be honest. I mean, I, like, before I decided to basically go back to just the agency version of Informally, I released a totally different app that was a content marketing analytics app. I worked on it for six weeks and um, put it out there and I validated as far as in, in inverted commas, validated it. Um, and... I mean, I was at that point. I was like, I have, I have to make something that's going to grow crazy fast, or else I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. So I think that that kind of desperation led me to making some very fast decisions. And maybe, maybe as time goes on, I'll look back and think that I made those decisions too quickly. Hmm. Um, like scrapping, like I like I, I worked on it for six weeks, and then after a month, I scrapped it. And it was probably a good idea. Like it was, it, it probably is still a good idea. Um, but I just didn't have enough time and I, I wasn't going to be able to grow it in, in the amount of time. So I scrapped it mm-hmm. and that's probably a bad side of desperation, but I've had the positive as well. And, and just racking my brain for a new idea and, and coming up with this business was, was a good thing. And it's gotten me to, you know, basically breaking even as of today. Um, whereas three weeks ago I was looking at maybe having to get a job, you know, so and who knows how? And who knows how far this is going to go? Like, if if we've got, I've got me in Australia. We've got four. We've got people in four countries. Um, I've got Alex over in the US. Um, and is is near LA. He might even move to Silicon Valley. So, I mean, we've got we've got a lot of potential, and it's a huge market, and we're doing something that other people aren't doing. So, this time in a year, you know, this could be a very very big business. Mm-hmm. And you know, one thing I think, like when I get some desperation in my own life. One of the first things I've noticed, like looking back on those times is I'm often just completely self-focused. Like I'm not thinking about anyone else except by, but me, you know, I'm just in this little bubble thinking, okay, I got to do this for me. I got to do this for me. And I'm always like that, (laughs) (laughs) but, but looking at your new product, cause this is, you know, where things kind of connect like with WP Curve, there were some people, you put that out there and there were some people that looked at that and said, that would really help me. And 
I wonder if there's something to that, like, you know, the with for whatever reason with informally the initial version with small businesses, um, it just wasn't you know a big enough pain for small businesses to really you know care that much. But you yeah. released this new thing called WP Curve, and it's not about Dan Norris. It's about these people that need help with uh, you know WordPress in this case. What what do you think? Is there something there? Is there something there about this idea of connecting? I mean, obviously that's what everyone talks about, you know, validating ideas. But in this case, you were able to connect with something where people really needed help. Yeah, I think so. I think I probably went a bit too much into my shell and and just tried to, you know, do the whole get in your garage and build a product and then release it to the world thing. And um, I think with this version of it, and, and the problem is that people people won't tell you what they want. Like I, I I've I've sent out so many surveys and emails to my list and all sorts of stuff asking, you know, would you like specifically, would you pay for this? Um, and people just, people won't tell you what they want and, and what they do tell you won't be right anyway. So I think, I think you do, I think you do have to be good at working out what people's problems are. And for me, that was an easy one because I've lived and breathed that for six years. And I know the agency model has a lot of problems with it because, you know, we're, we're working with agencies as well in that, we will be the white label provider of WordPress maintenance and live support and fixes because agencies aren't structured to be able to do that kind of work. And that creates a situation where people are frustrated with the agency. Um, I know the problems of marketplaces because I'm, every entrepreneur I know has been burnt on Odesk and Elance. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just intimately knew these problems already. So I, I think knowing the problem and then um, validating it by actually getting people paying for it has been has been the good thing the, the other thing which is maybe a bit contrary to what people think is the whole um scratch your own itch thing which is like with informally i was trying to do that like build build a product that summarized all of my stats and i, I was kind of building this thing for myself mm -hmm. whereas with with wp curve I, I don't need the service because I've got a team of developers and I know enough to be dangerous myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I had to put it out there and I had to put it out there, not just to people who are my mates in forums, but put it out to people who have these problems and I had to focus on them to, to build the, you know, you know, to, to build the product. So um, I think, I think there is something in that, you know, you, you get a lot of advice saying scratch your own itch, but that could, that can be damaging as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, um, oh, what was I just thinking? Oh, I just went completely blank. I was, I told you you shouldn't drink the beer before the interview. I know. I know. I, I, <laughs> that's the problem. It would have probably helped a little bit actually. Um, the, the, the thing about, um, oh, that's what I was, the, you had this experience. So like now in retrospect, you know, you're, you've got 2020 vision because you're looking behind. You're saying, you know, over the six years of experience I had in the web development world, I, I see that there's this problem. And I, I, that, that agency thing is really interesting. I could totally see that. You know, agencies are building these websites, but they have no kind of structure to provide support for them. Yeah. And so you looking yeah, back. And, and, and the whole, the, the whole, the way these websites are managed is changing. Like when I started out, there was no such thing as a CMS. I had to build my own. And mm -hmm. now, like people are building their own sites left, right, and center. 
Um, but, you know, some some people like solo entrepreneurs don't rely on agencies to build their sites. Even if they have no technical skills, they can do 90% of it themselves. So mm -hmm. that's a whole market that's only really been serviced by these marketplaces at the moment. But the agency side as well are, are battling with that as well because they really, they have to either build recurring revenue or they have to do big dollar projects. Mm -hmm. And either one of those situations, a, a service like WP Curve can help them because we can help them build recurring revenue by white labeling the ongoing support. And um, we can help them you focus on the bigger projects by taking away the tasks that they don't want to do on the smaller projects. Mm -hmm. And this has become actually a recurring theme on people I've talked to is that they have this thing that's kind of like just below the surface. So it's based on their experience or, but there's some, usually it's like a boring problem that they actually have a lot of perspective on. And they first, they go out and build the really sexy thing and then that doesn't work. And then they come to this other thing that's always been kind of, you know, um, just below the surface, basically, something that they hadn't thought about before. Do you think there's a, a secret to bringing those things out? Like I talk to a lot of our listeners and they say, well, I don't really have any experience that would be useful in building a product. But yet I keep talking to all these people that say, you know, there's this thing right in front of them that they didn't realize until a certain point. Yeah, honestly, I mean, a big part of it is just executing as well. Like some of the ideas that pop up that I just think are just crap ideas, the, the entrepreneurs just turn them into good ideas. Like, and this was, there was a post yesterday by Paul Graham um, that's kind of discussed some of the stuff we talk about, which is, um, I think it was called Do Things That Don't Scale. Yes. And it, it, it just talked about the fact that like, the entrepreneurs force these companies to succeed. They, they, they push through whatever the idea is. Now, that's why I get funny when people get all weird about their ideas. And it's like, the idea is nothing. I mean, everyone's got these ideas. There's nothing new about offering people support for their websites. You know, this is, this is not even an idea. It's, this is a way of solving a problem. And we're going to get out there and make sure that we sell the shit out of it and that we do an awesome job. And we've got amazing, amazing testimonials coming through from people who've worked with other companies, you know, for months and we've solved their problem in an hour. And that kind of stuff just tells me, you know, if we're, if we're solving big problems and we're out there selling this, then it's going to work. And that there's a big chunk of that. I mean, the idea, you, you know, a clarity. So you had Dan Martell on your show. Yeah. I thought that, I thought that was the shittest idea. Like I, I saw it and I saw the app and I'm like, so what is it? You ring up and speak to like an entrepreneur and, but look, but look at it now. It's like he's just turned that into like this amazing thing. Yeah, I thought the same thing, That's actually. That's what entrepreneurs do. Yeah. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on the show, especially kind of your, um, <laughs> I think your perspective that's going against the grain of a lot of the stuff that's out there, just kind of the, just honesty and transparency. Um, where could people find you on the web if they wanted to reach out and ask you a question? Uh, is there somewhere they could do that? Yeah, just um, wpcurve.com is the site. And on Twitter, I'm the Dan Norris, T-H-E, Dan Norris. And it's not because I'm a wanker. It's just because some other guy took Dan Norris and I couldn't think of a better handle. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, on Twitter and then wpcurve is the site. And if you're looking for WordPress support, definitely go and, and check that out. And um, Dan, thanks again for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me and, and, and look out for the class.
My name is Justin Jackson, and I do the show every week, but I don't necessarily know who you are. I want to hear from you, why you're listening, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. You can get me on Twitter, at MIJustin, or you can email the show at productpeople at bizbox.ca. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at productpeopletv. The best way to join the Product People community is to join our email newsletter list. You can get there by going to productpeople.tv slash newsletter. We're back next week with Spencer Fry, formerly of Carbon Made. Now he's working on a new startup called Uncover, which is all about employee rewards and perks. Take a listen next week, Wednesday, 1 a.m. Pacific is when we'll publish. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.